Good morning. Happy Reformation Day. I'm going to try to preach from down here this morning. How many of you kids got a bag in one of these when you came in? Hey, there we go. Adelaide did. Anybody else? Nobody else? You better have one. All you kids who have bags, can you like get them and make as much noise as possible right now and look and see if there's any candy inside there? Can you tell me? Anybody got any candy inside their bags? No? No candy inside your bags? Did we forget to put candy inside the bags on Reformation Day? No candy for kids on Reformation Day? What is this? What kind of puritanical church are we? Okay, so here's the deal. You got these, right? No? No? What's wrong with you? <laughs> if you need one of these, raise your hand. If you're a kid and you need one of these, raise your hand. Look, Mr. Sulcer right there, Pastor Sulcer has them. He's going to bring them to you. Here's the deal. These are not your ordinary bulletins. These are bulletins designed for you kids to help you pay attention and learn about the service. So if you do a good job of paying attention and learning about the sermon, then I'm wearing this jacket not as a fashion statement, but because it has really big pockets. Okay, so I'll just let you figure out what that's about. Come show me your bulletins afterwards, okay? Got it? Everybody have a bulletin that wants one? No. Did you get, did you get, hey, he's got more, he's got more. Look, here, you can take mine. Yay. Look at you. All right, all right. Ah, all right, we get two more right up here. Pass them out, pass them out. And now you know when you come in, you better get, oh, look, I got one for myself, yay. All right, maybe I can get some candy when we're done. Okay, all right. Um, Kids, I'm going to need your help this morning, okay? I want answers to my questions. I want good answers. I want you to think back about some children's church things you've been learning, all that sort of thing. So here's my first question. Real answers, who's ever been in trouble? Not in trouble with your parents. Thank you for being honest about that. Not not in, there you go. Good job. Not in trouble with your parents. Not in trouble with your parents. I mean like something bad happened. You got scared, maybe really scared. Can you think back to something like that in your life? Maybe you got lost at the store or at like the fall festival or holiday world or something like that. Can you think of a time like that? Or maybe you were in a really scary storm. Lightning and thunder felt really bad. Maybe you found yourself, uh, yourself alone with a bully. I was listening to a guy talk this past week about how when he was eight years old, he got trapped by a bully, and his mom was out calling him, and he could hear her. He was supposed to be home, and it was getting dark, and he said it was the most scared he'd ever been in his whole life. You ever had something, ever been in trouble like that, where you've just been really scared? Can you think of anything like that? Everyone finds themselves in trouble sometimes. How about in the Bible? Can you think of anybody in the Bible who had troubles? 
Maybe anybody that you've been learning about in children's church? You got one? Paul. Paul? Okay, tell me about Paul's troubles. He was in slavery a lot. He was in slavery a lot? You mean in prison, right? Yeah. Yeah, he got put in prison a lot. Hey, good job. Anybody else? Y'all been learning about people in children's church, right? They've had troubles? Yeah? Can you think of anybody? Israel. Huh? Israel. Just Israel. All right? That's good. Tell me more about that. Well, they sinned a lot. Uh-huh. They sinned a lot. They wanted a king. They wanted a king. They got a king. Yeah. Did it go well for them? No. And they found themselves in trouble, right? Look at this. I'm just like, gotta get, you got to empty these pockets. How about Moses? Y'all been learning about Moses? Yeah? Yes. Ozias, you want to tell me about that? No, you just want some candy? <laughs> <laughs> no? All right. Otto? Yeah. Oh, he. And they didn't get to go, and well, Moses didn't get to go in the promised land, right? Yeah, that's really good. Was that a lesson from Children's Church? Oh, yeah. Who was your teacher last week? There you go. Oh, you weren't ready. <laughs> Who was your teacher? Oh, you don't remember? Who was the teacher last week? Aw, there you go. Good job. <laughs> Lots of people in the Bible have had troubles, right? Abraham, troubles. Uh, you haven't had that kind of trouble. Wait till you're in your 80s or near 100 or whatever and are trying to have a baby still. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Abraham, Jacob, Joseph. Joseph had lots of troubles, right? Paul, we've been talking a lot about Paul's troubles in a big church. The church, the early church, had a lot of troubles. How many of you have heard of a guy named Martin Luther? Not Martin Luther King Jr.? Martin Luther. Anybody tell me a little bit about Martin Luther? You're too big. <laughs> Abby, did you, oh, you've heard of him. Did you want to tell me a little bit about him? You don't know? You've just heard of him? Ian? Uh, yeah. uh, wrong, Ian. You're the, you're the big Ian. Little Ian. <laughs> Put 95 theses on the church wall. That's really good. That's really good. Oh, yeah, I guess you should get some candy for that, huh? There we go. Martin Luther is a man that God used to change the world. The world that we live in would not be the world it is today if it wasn't for what God did through Martin Luther. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here. It's amazing when you think about it. Martin Luther, I mean, we came to church this morning. We have a Bible in English. Martin Luther translated the Bible into German. Do you know where he translated the Bible into German? From? Do you have any idea? He was hiding in a castle for 10 months because 
everybody was trying to kill him. The whole world changed because Martin Luther took a stand for God and for God's word. But he had a whole lot of trouble. We sang songs in English this morning. That's a thing that Martin Luther did. All, all of church was in Latin and nobody could understand it. And he said, forget that. People should hear the Bible in their own language. People should sing to Jesus in their own language and the people should actually sing. So he started translating psalms and turning them into hymns. And a lot of our modern hymns come because Martin Luther had the courage to stand against the Roman Catholic Church so that we could have the Bible in our own language, so that we could sing songs to Jesus in our own language. But he suffered a lot. He suffered a lot. People were trying to kill him. This morning, we're going to study one of his favorite psalms. I was reading an old Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon. Y'all heard of him? Charles Spurgeon, and he called this psalm Luther's Hymn. Because this was the psalm that he turned to to get him through all of his times of trouble, all the time. And he adapted into a hymn that we sing to this day called The Mighty Fortress is Our God. And we're going to sing it after the service together. So this morning's passage, taking a break from Philippians, studying Psalm 46. Let's read it together. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for everyone who has suffered trouble for the sake of your name. All of our heroes in the Bible, Abraham and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and David, Peter and Paul and James and John, and all of our heroes outside the Bible, like Martin Luther, maybe even some people we know. We pray that you would help us to face the troubles that you have for us, and that you would help us to be brave and strong and very courageous. Help us to trust in you to be a mighty fortress for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this psalm has three parts, three sections that are divided by the word selah. We don't really know what it means. It's a musical notation. Most people think it just means a pause, a break. You know, maybe space for a guitar solo or something like that but a break to pause and reflect. We're gonna walk through those sections one at a time. So we've already talked a little bit about trouble. 
What does the psalm say about trouble? Let's read the first section again. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. What does it say about trouble? Kids, what does it say about trouble? Yeah? It's because sea swells. Yeah? Yeah, Ian? Water's boiling foam? Yeah, you can just read words up there. That's true. What does it say about trouble? What does it say? It says that God is our help in trouble, doesn't it? Doesn't it say that? It says that even if the earth disappears from under our feet, if the sky we look upon should crumble and fall, uh, and the mountains should crumble to the sea. Anyone ever seen a mountain thrown into the sea? No? You've never seen a mountain thrown into the sea? Sounds crazy, right? Ridiculous. Even if the mountains were thrown into the sea, even if the ocean waves got so scary, y'all been to the ocean? Ever seen scary ocean waves? Even if the ocean waves got so scary that the mountains shook and trembled. Even if something super big and scary like that happened, what does the Bible say? The Bible says what? We don't have to be afraid. It says we don't have to be afraid. Why? Why don't we have to be afraid? Yes, Lucy. Because God is with us. He's our refuge. Did you get candy yet? Oh, there you go. Adelaide's ready, yeah? It says God's our refuge. Do you know what a refuge is? No? Hmm. Can you think about someplace safe? Your house? You think your house would be like a refuge? Yeah, that's good. That pocket's waning. Oh, this pocket's pretty good. God is our refuge. He's a place where we can be protected. He's our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. He's always with us in times of trouble. Y'all have had times of trouble, right? Yeah? Does that mean it won't be hard? There's still times of trouble, right? They're still hard. What does it mean, though? It means that God is with us no matter how hard the troubles we face are. All right. Let's look at the next part. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation. Habitation? Anybody? Anybody know what a habitation is? No? No? Thanks for being honest. Oh, that's good. You're too old to get candy, though. Mom's not, but you are. <laughs> a home, a place for you rest. Okay, so 
There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation or home of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Okay, in the last section we read what was going on. Ian and Abe talked about it. The seas were raging and foaming. Mountains were being thrown into the sea, right? What's different in this section? Or what's the same? How about that? Yeah. The nations rage. So they're still raging, but instead of it being the oceans, it's the nations, right? Good. That's really good. And the kingdom's hotter. And now you're just reading words again. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you got a little lucky there. <clears throat> There's still water, right? But instead of the oceans, there's river. Oceans are scary and they're raging. River is good. It's a river with streams that make glad the city of God. What's important about a city by a river? What's important about a city that has good streams? We might know a little bit about that here in Evansville, right? We're not like as dependent on the river as maybe we once were as a city. But what's important about a city by a river? River cities are powerful cities. They're important cities. Why? Well, for one, we don't have to worry much about water in a river city, do we? Even if there's a drought, we're going to take a whole lot for the Ohio River to go down to nothing, right? If you plant a, a tree by a river and there's a drought, what happens? Does the tree die? The tree's roots find the water that seeps into the ground from the river. Rivers make a city strong. They make them durable. They make them able to withstand all kinds of trouble. If there's a siege on a city on a river, the city on a river can last a long time. The city by a river is powerful and protected. And God's city, which is a Bible image for God's people, is a city by a river. A clean river, a river that you can go and drink out of. Not like the Ohio River. What else does it say about that city? It says that God lives there. God lives there among his people. Haddon, can you move God if he wants to be moved? You don't know? Can you? If you wanted to move God and God didn't want to be moved, could you do it? No, no way, right? Can God be moved if he doesn't want to move? No. If you are strong enough to take a mountain in your hands and throw it into the heart of the sea, would that be strong enough to move God if he didn't want to be moved? No. No way. No way. Nothing, no strong man, no president, no king, no emperor, no devil, from hell, if the whole world filled with devils and rulers and principalities and powers and kings and presidents and senators, if everything was united in a grand conspiracy to try to move God away from his people, what would happen? 
they wouldn't be moved. He wouldn't be moved, right? God would help his people, wouldn't he? He always has. He always will. And you know what? The nations of the earth have always raged against God and against God's people. Always. And sometimes, oftentimes, it's looked like the nations would win. Right? It looked that way many times for Israel, right? But God always makes a way. Always. Think about Pharaoh. What did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh killed all the firstborn, right? Pharaoh enslaved Israel, but God raised up Moses and sent, what? Plagues. He sent plagues, and he set them free. And then Pharaoh chased them up to the edge of the sea. And then what happened? It looked bad, didn't it? God parted the sea, and his people walked through, and the horse and his rider were thrown into the sea, collapsed on them all, right? Looked bad. It looked that way for the early church, too. Small, weak. What do you think looked stronger? The Roman Empire with the Caesars who had conquered the world or the church with a little outpost in Philippi and a little outpost in Thessalonica? Church. The church looked stronger? The church was stronger. Did it look that way? No. It did not look that way. Where's the Roman Empire? Where? It's gone. It's gone. It was crushed. Because it set itself against the Lord and his anointed. Where's the church? Here. Here. In a place that the Roman Empire didn't even know existed and never reached. It looked bad for the Bible-believing church in the time of Martin Luther. But here we are with our Bibles and our songs. It looks that way a little now too, doesn't it? But it always does. It looked that way when Jesus was on the cross. It looked that way when Jesus was in the tomb. But when morning dawned on the third day, what happened? Jesus rose from the dead in triumph. God will help her when morning dawns, it says. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. One final section. In the first section, we saw the mountains and the sea raging. In the second section, we saw the nations raging, right? Now in the third section, what do we see? We see the God who's in control of all of it. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord. Look what God has done. What happens? What has happened? What has continued to happen over the course of history? What will happen to the end and there on the final day? History is the story of God conquering his enemies. God brings an end to all wars. He sees to it that his name is exalted among the nations. He sees to it that his name is exalted in the earth. Jesus wins. Jesus cannot be defeated. He will not lose. He is the king. The gates of hell will not prevail against Jesus or his people. So be still. See striving. Let go. Stop fretting and worrying about the future. Do not panic, no matter how much trouble you may face. Be strong and courageous. Worried about the future? Concerned about the future? Just me? Concerned about censorship? Concerned that your Christianity will cost you? Cost you your job? cost you more than that? Looked at the trouble we've faced over the past year, year and a half, and wondered what's next? Wars, rumors of wars. Jesus says, in this world you will have tribulation. What does he say next? But take heart. I have overcome the world. He's overcome it. Be still. Cease striving. Let go. Know that he is God. He is the king. He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. It's inevitable. A couple weeks in Philippians, we'll hit the passage, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Why is it inevitable? Because of the Lord of hosts, Lord Sabaoth, as we're about to sing. The God of armies is what it means. The God of armies is with us. Jesus, the king, that's why. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And a mighty fortress is our God. Okay. Kids, don't forget to show me the bulletins after the service, okay? Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are our fortress, our refuge, our help. We thank you that you have always been with your people and that you always will be, no matter what trouble we face. We thank you that we can look to you in times of trouble and rest in you no matter how bad things get, knowing at the end your name will be exalted among the nations. And we have nothing to fear because we live to bring you glory and you 
will see to it that your name is glorified in the earth. Help us to trust that this morning and to rest in you. Help us to understand what it means to be still and know that you are God. In Jesus' name, amen.